have your Bibles tonight. Turn to you with Ephesians chapter 4. I want to draw your attention tonight. Am I on? Everything okay? All right. Ephesians chapter 4. We're, our goal this year, our theme this year, is that everybody in this room would put on the image of Christ. I want you to notice, okay, I keep hearing myself go up and down, so I'm trying to make sure people can hear me but not be too loud, all right? Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, you'll notice he says in verse 12 that preachers are, verse 11, the pastors and teachers are for the perfecting of the saints, for bringing the saints into maturity, into a position where uh, their, their sins are in check doesn't mean they're sinless. It just means that they're trying to do what's right and they're doing it consistently in the image of Christ. Now notice with me, if you would, in verse number 22, he says that you put off, verse 20, excuse me, go back up, but you have not so learned Christ. This was the way of the world. He said, this is not the way Christ taught you. Remember, they had heard Christ teach personally. And he said, but you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, notice that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. So the old man were to put off. If you have your Bible, turn to Colossians. Keep your finger in Colossians 3. We'll go back and forth. Notice with me if you would. Colossians 3, verse number 8. But now ye put off all these. And he gives a list of things we're to put off. We're to change them like we are this coat. You take the coat off. You take a shirt off. You put a shirt on. You put a blouse on. We're to change these things in our life. He says, but now put off all these anger, wrath. It's a passion. It's a boiling up when somebody does something and just gets your goat and you just lose it. He said, malice, you hold a, a grudge against someone. I don't know, I'm in trouble with my mic, guys. I apologize. You hold a grudge against someone. Notice blasphemy. You use the Lord's name in a way that's not honoring to him. Filthy communication. Cursing, swearing. Dirty jokes. Notice, out of your mouth, verse 9, lie not. So put these things off. Now you'll notice in verse number 5, he says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon earth. These are actions that we do. You'll notice fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection. This is homosexuality, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness is most prevalent sin probably around our area. Uh, I want more. Well, notice with me if you would. He says in verse number 9, you put off these things. In verse number 10, and have put on the new man. Now, last week we looked at putting off. How do you put off? We went to, first, we went to Psalm 119. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So we take a particular sin that's, uh, that's controlling us, 
whether it be lust or covetousness or, or, or bitterness or whatever it might be, and we go seek a verse out that covers that. So the Bible says, look not upon a woman to lust after in your heart. So when you begin to see a woman that uh, all of a sudden the, the lust begins in your heart, you quote that verse and turn your eyes away. Job said, I've made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maiden? We're going to look at that in a minute. You make a covenant with the Lord. Lord, when this comes up and you bring a verse to mind, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Then all of a sudden, over time, the Lord begins to work in your heart to where you say, that's what God said. I can remember times whenever my mom would say, I want you to pick up your room. I want you to pick up your room every day. So if I come in any point in time, your room is clean. Well, that was hard for me to get in my mind until I got in trouble. And then I remembered those words, keep your room clean. So when I'd go into my room and I'd look at my room and I'd say, who's been in my room? How did it get this messy? And then I'd go in and clean it all up because I remembered her words. Well, over time, you remember the words of God. You begin to quote those verses in your mind. And whenever this particular sin, whether it be anger, anger resteth in the bosom of fools, Ecclesiastes 7, 9, you begin to get angry, anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Lord, give me victory. You first quote the verse, second you ask the Lord to give you victory. And over time, the Bible says a just man, Proverbs 24, 16, falls down seven times but gets up again. So the idea is that a Christian doesn't give up until the sin is gone. They keep identifying various sins and they begin to remove them remove them a little bit at a time until finally then they say, I want to start putting on. You don't put on good clothes over dirty, a dirty body. So what you do is you go get a shower, get cleaned up, and then you start putting on your clothes. So the idea is I want to get my heart clean, but now I want to put on. Now notice what he says in Colossians, if you would. Now look over in Colossians chapter 3. Verse number 12, and put on, therefore, as the elect of God, as a child of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy. Put on mercy. Put on kindness. Put on humbleness of mind, a humility of mind. In other words, you think yourself less than you really are. You have a lower opinion of yourself, and you say, Lord, I want to have the opinion you want me to have. So everybody in this room, we've got to get to the point where we look at ourselves and say, I, I want to be little in my own sight, Lord, and you lift me up. Do you remember what the Bible said about Saul? When he was little in his own sight, God used him. When he came big in his own sight, God stopped using him. And everybody in this room, without humility in your heart, God can't use you. A young person, the Lord can't use you. If you make excellent grades in school and you have the ability to make high grades, my question is for you, does it go up here? Does it go to your head? Or do you realize, Lord, you gave me the ability to make good grades. I don't deserve it any more than any, someone else does. Yes, I work hard. I study well. But Lord, you gave me the ability to think like I need to think to make that A. 
So then you come to school with a humble mind. God can use you. Every one of us. You go to work. You have the ability to do your job. But the Lord gave you that ability. Put on humbleness of mind. Now, notice if you would with me, take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter. Excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 1. Now we're told to put on in Colossians and in Ephesians. In Ephesians 4, he says, put on the things that make you look like Christ. Notice if you would, keep in mind, 2 Peter chapter 1, when you got there, take just a minute, put your finger there and flip back over to Ephesians. Notice verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Look at verse number 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, the man that Christ wants you to be, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, what he's saying is that this new man is made through doing right and a holiness of heart. I want to stay away from sin. I want to do the right things and I want to stay away from the wrong things. A true holiness. Not so I can be better than somebody else, but Lord, that I can be what you want me to be. I can be in your image. I can be like you. Now, notice with me, if you would, in 2 Peter chapter 1. Look, if you would, in verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith. Now, that would be everybody in this room that's trusted Christ as Savior. If you're here today and say, I don't know that I'm going to heaven, this is not for you. Matter of fact, you can't do this. It takes the Spirit of God that lives within a Christian. The day we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes into our heart, and He guides and leads us. He's the one that touches our heart and, and gently says, Dave Pittman, you shouldn't have said that to your wife. You need to go back and apologize. Well, Lord, I, I didn't mean it like that. Well, go tell her that. Uh, honey, I'm sorry. I, I was a little short with you. Would you forgive me? It keeps things sweet because the Holy Spirit is gracious and kind. He's like a dove. We're not. So the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. So follow with me now in verse number, verse number four. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. You can add to your life the nature of Christ. Now watch what he says having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So you've got to escape the corruption that's in this world. Every one of us do that. You've got to escape the anger and the bitterness and the malice. You've got to escape the, the filthy language. You've got to escape. And, and so uh, I, I was talking with someone here at the church uh, that works on the building. He came up and said, Pastor, I, I like to try to do what's right. And, 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 and yet when I get around other people that are foul-mouthed and cursed, I just fall in with them. I said, well, you have to fall out with them. 
separate from them. If you have to sit in a room with them, you have to say, Lord, you've got to give me the strength to talk right when they don't. A Christian will never be in the image of Christ unless they one day get to the point where they say, I am not going to do that anymore. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I say unto you, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Lord, help me not to say a word like that. Go on with the meeting. Lord, give me victory over my tongue. Every idle word. Lord, give me victory over my tongue. I want you to notice that the first thing that every Christian's got to do is put off the flesh. You do it one sin at a time. But the Lord will give you victory that quickly you can put it aside when you begin to turn and say, and I want to add that. Now notice with me, if you would, in verse number five. And beside this, giving all diligence. Uh, when you're diligent about something, you're consistent at it, you're focused on it. Okay? So you give a diligence about it. You're, you're, you're hard after it. You're doing your best with it. Uh, you're, give, you're working hard at it. There's a diligence there's a consistency and a faithfulness. That's the missing ingredient in most of our lives. We're not diligent to have a, a sweet spirit. We're not diligent to forgive. But notice he says, giving all diligence, add. Now, this word add is epikorgeo, and the Greek word, we get our English word chorus from it. So add as a chorus leader. Everybody in this room, I'm actually a, a, a choir director of Dave Pittman. I'm to add the things to my life that make me make beautiful music. So notice what he says they are. Beside this giving all diligence, add to your faith. So uh, Brother Brandon's up here and he's trying to lead the music and pretty soon he has to get, uh, he has to get the uh, orchestra to be a little bit quieter or, the, or the, uh, the sopranos a little bit louder or the basses a little bit more or the, uh, the altos a little bit less so that it blends together. So uh, you cannot take away uh, all of your anger that you don't get angry about sin. So there's a balance of anger. You don't get to the point where you just love everybody and everything and righteousness doesn't matter. So you add these seven things in appropriate measure for you to be in the image of Christ. It's not you just to say, well, I want to love everybody. Well, Jesus did, but he was pretty hard on the Pharisees. People that don't want to do what's right and wants to drag others with them. So notice, if you would, in verse number five, besides this giving all diligence, and I'm not going to take a lot of time to go through these, but I want you to notice these seven things. I'm going to read them, and I want you to see what they do for you. Notice, add to your faith, Virtue, that's a moral excellence. Notice very carefully, that stakes in the ground of what you know God does not want you to do and what he does want you to do. He doesn't want you to commit adultery or fornication or immorality. He does want you to be faithful to your wife. He does want you to be faithful to your parents. He does want your moral character to be real, and it's anchored down in the points of Scripture. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. There is a point of virtue in my life. It's all anchored on Scripture that you know when someone challenges that, the old devil, in your heart, in your mind, or in the presence of someone else, 
you have a reference, you have a stake in the ground that God said this. Notice if you would. Virtue to virtue knowledge. Everybody in this room ought to have a plan to read God's Word, to add the things of God's Word to your life. How many of you have read something this year that you read last year, but this year it jumped out at you? You didn't catch it last year. How many ever had to happen to you? Okay? That's why you keep adding the knowledge of God's Word to your life. You never get too old to add more of God's Word. Notice the next one. Temperance. And to knowledge, temperance. Now, temperance, equitas is the Greek word. It is self-control. It is to be able to say no to yourself. It is a great, great addition to everybody's life. It's, I'm not going to do that. Or, I am going to be a witness. I am going to be a prayer warrior. It's self-control. I'm going to say no to the TV and yes to the prayer time. I'm going to make sure I pray. It's to say no to breakfast if necessary because I've got to spend time with the Lord. It is a self-discipline. Take your Bible and turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I want you to see this in action. Notice verse 24. Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So, now listen, run that you may obtain. So everybody live for one day to be in the image of Christ. That's your, that's your victory. Live to be in like Christ. Verse 25, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. His running is race with goals. He doesn't sprint or try to sprint a one-mile run. He doesn't try to sprint a marathon. He paces himself. He has certain goals at certain times in his life so that he can finish the race. And notice, if you would, he says that he's temperate in all things. He's temperate in what he eats. He's temperate in how he sleeps. He's temperate in the exercise that he does. He is, uh, uh, he is temperate in the rest that he gets. You'll notice, if you would, he says he's temperate in all things. There is nothing that is okay to do in, in excess. So he says, add temperance to your life. Now, notice what he says in verse 25. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. They obtain it to get a gold medal. Notice, but we are incorruptible. What is our crown? Crown of rejoicing. An incorruptible crown. There's five of them that a Christian can win. So is that your goal in life? To win the crowns of Christ. And if you were to look at Revelation chapter 4, you'll find that all of us as God's children take those crowns and lay them at Jesus' feet and say, this is how much I loved you. I don't want anybody in this room to come to that day and lay, have nothing to lay at Jesus' feet without me urging you to add temperance to your life so that you can win the crowns of Christ. One of the crowns, James chapter 1, verse 12. If you have your Bible, turn there very quickly. 
uh, James, just a little bit before 1 Peter, James, notice with me if you would, chapter 1, look with me at verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, the man that says no, the man that's temperate in his own flesh. For when he is tried, he shall receive, there it is, the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So you can win the crown of life if you have temperance in your life. Folks, everybody in this room has got to be able to say no to things, all of us. Or you can't get to your goal. How many of you have tried to lose weight and then decided, I want to eat cookies? I want ice cream. In order to lose weight, the first thing I have to set aside is ice cream. That, that's why it's miserable, but the goal is worth it. Notice, if you would, I keep reading, first, second, second Peter chapter 1. Notice, if you would, to temperance, patience. Temperance is control of things inside. Patience is control of things outside. Uh, the word patience is hupomeno. It's the, it's the Greek word to remain under a load. It's that whenever the Lord allows something in your life, uh, you don't quit. You just keep going, carrying it. It's patience. You keep the same joyful heart. You keep the same sweet spirit. It doesn't give you an anger, angry temperament because you, just, you have patience waiting on the Lord to bless you. And when he's ready to take this burden off of you, then you've won. One is temperance. I'm not going to let that get in my life. I am going to add that to my life. And one is patience. I'm not going to let that affect me. One is within, one is without. Notice, if you would, and to patience, godliness. It is, godliness is simply a, a uh, uh, the, the root is a reverence for God. It is a good respect for God. Add to your life a respect for God in such a way that you want to be in His image because you know it pleases Him. There are not many Christians like that. We have goals of this or that. I want to get in my 401k. I want to get this raise. I want to get this job. I want to get this house. I want to get this car. I want to get these clothes. But where's Jesus and all that? He said, I want you to add a reverence, a holy respect, a holy worship for me, a godliness. And notice, and to godliness, brotherly kindness. I don't have to tell you what that is. Um, if I were to give you a couple of verses, Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies. Pray for those that despitefully use you. So whenever you've got someone doesn't treat you right, love your enemies. Lord, help me to love my enemies. Lord, help me to love this, this, this man here that's, that's talking like this. Lord, he, I know what they've done to me. I know what they've prevented me from. Maybe going forth in my company, but Lord, would you bless them? That takes a lot of addition for a Christian. To forgive somebody that's your enemy and to pray for them genuinely. He said, but if you add that, you become in my image. Notice lastly, Brother Kindly, charity. The Lord's been wanting his children to have charity throughout history of scriptures. 
want you to notice this. Take your Bible and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, all the way back to the Pentateuch. First five books. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Notice if you would. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Let these words which I command thee this day be in thine heart. Look, I want you to love me with all your heart. I want you to love people. I want love to be in your heart. Now take your Bible, if you would, and turn to Matthew 22. I want you to see this. Matthew 22, first book of the New Testament. Matthew 22, verse 37. A lawyer comes to Jesus Christ. It's been thousands of years, about three or 4,000 years. He comes up to the Lord and he says, Lord, what's the greatest command? All he had to do was read Deuteronomy 6, 5, 6. He would know it. Love the Lord with all your heart. Now, we got to add that to our lives, all of us. Love people. you got to add that to your life. I've heard preachers say, I'd love to be a preacher. Preaching would be a great time if we didn't have to deal with the people. That's about as dumb as you can get. The Lord gives us people that we can work with. Those are the victories in life. And to see someone uh, that's on drugs trust Christ as Savior, or someone that's in pornography trust Christ as Savior, or a Christian that's got caught up in some sin and see them delivered and see them begin to walk right and begin to look and to strive to be like Christ and begin to love the Lord with all their heart, and then everything changes in their life. That's worth living for. And notice with me, if you would, Matthew 22, look at verse number 37. Verse 35, then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, he's trying to trip him up. Now, hey, you're going to trip up the God of heaven that wrote Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5? Anyway, notice if you would, verse number 36. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Verse 38, this is the first and great commandment. And the Lord said in 2 Peter, add this to your life. And notice verse 39, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, there is the principle, so when somebody does something to you that hurts, love your neighbor as yourself. You quote the verse, Lord, give me a love for this this. this neighbor of mine that doesn't treat me right. Lord, give me, a, give me a love for him. Lord, I didn't treat you right, and you love me. Give me that love for him. The Lord can bless every one of us in this room. Folks, I'm not talking about the kind of life that everybody just wants to have a life of ease. This is being a soldier for Jesus Christ. That all of us say, forget me, I want to be like you. And I'll do whatever it takes to get there. Lord, would you help me to be like you? Give me love like you have. Now, I want you to notice this. How many of you would like, take your Bible now and turn to Galatians chapter number five. It's the book right before Ephesians, Galatians five. How many of you would like to have the fruits of the Spirit? Okay, Raise your hand. I'd like to have the fruits of the Spirit. Now watch this. Look at verse 22. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Here's the first one, love, joy. Oh, I want joy. I don't know about the love. I'd like to not like some people, but I want the joy. Notice what he says, love, joy, peace. Oh, I want peace. I want peace in my heart and peace with everybody on earth. But do I have to love them? Notice, I want you to watch this. These are fruits. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. Now, pause just for a minute. What is a fruit? It is something that grows on a tree after that tree has, has labored, after it's brought water out of the ground, after the, uh, the husband has, has taken it and, and he, has, uh, uh, he has put fertilizer on it. He's kept all of the, uh, uh, the weeds from around it. He's, he's kept the, uh, uh, the bugs off the tree. It's, it, it, he's watched out for it. He's pruned the tree. And now the tree is bringing forth much fruit. Well, that Husbandry is what you and I do to ourselves through the Holy Spirit. We trim off bitterness. We trim off lustfulness. We trim off covetousness. We don't add these things. Watch what happens. Take your Bible and turn back to 2 Peter chapter 1. In verse 7, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, charity. And if these things be in you, if you add them and abound, it's not just, well, I just want to have enough love to get by for that guy. If you have love and it abounds, you've forgotten yourself and you said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I just want to ooze with the love of God in my heart. I want to ooze with the discipline, Lord, to say no to sin. Lord, I want to ooze with the discipline to love my neighbor. Lord, I want to ooze with, I, I want to ooze with your word in my heart. You do the things that are necessary to add them to your life. Notice, they make you that you shall neither be barren or unfruitful. So the Lord said, I'm going to bring the fruits of the Spirit in your life if you add these things to your life. Now keep reading, verse 9, but he that lacketh these things. Now this is a lot of us, is blind. What does it mean that the Christian is blind and cannot see afar off? You know what he's saying we're blind to? Keep reading. He's blind backwards. He's forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. We're blind because we don't look back to the cross and we don't look back and say, Lord, I realize you forgave me of my sin. You, you weren't malicious toward me. You forgave me, Lord, when I did things to you. Lord, I'm sorry. You're too good to me. The Lord wants all of us in this room to be just like that. And he says, I'll bless you. I'll bring the fruits of the Spirit forth in your life. I'll bring peace and joy and long-suffering. I'll bring those things in your life. And notice what he says, but you can't forget what I did for you so that you can do it for other people. And notice what he says in verse 9, that he was forgotten from his old sins. And you'll also remember he cannot see afar off. Now let's take this first. What's afar off? The day we see Christ. You can't see the day when you see him. 
When you see him, you don't want to be ashamed. Take your Bible to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Next book or two over. Notice what he says. Verse 28, and now little children, abide in him. You know what he means, abide? Keep adding these things to your life. Stick close to Christ. Keep getting rid of the things that would not be pleasing to Christ and adding the things that would be pleasing to him. Keep adding them. Notice what he says. He said, and now little children, abide in him. Stay close to Christ. That when he shall appear, now you can see what he's saying. He cannot see afar off, he's blind. He's forgotten that one of these days he's going to see Jesus Christ. And when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. You know, the Lord Jesus wants you to see him and say, Jesus, oh, I've waited a long time to see you. And we kneel at his feet. And he puts his hand on us like he did in Revelation chapter 1. It says, stand up, John. Stand up, Mary. Stand up. I want you to know I'm proud of you. Well done. I've got some crowns for you. Folks, tonight, that's what I want for everybody in this room. You to win the crowns that God has intended for you. Whether you have one talent or five talents, you may have to set aside your talents and say, Lord, I want you to fill me so I can bring forth fruit like you. Tonight, everybody in this room can put off and put on to be like Christ and can forgive everybody that's hurt you. You can put aside every bitterness. You can trust the Lord to make all relationships right if you trust him. You can, in your life, have the joy of the Lord in your heart. But you have to be willing to say, I'm going to put that aside. I'm going to memorize God's word. And when I begin to face that, I'm going to quote that verse. I'm going to pray and ask the Lord for strength. And if I fall down in Proverbs 24, 16, uh, the righteous man falleth seven times, but he riseth again. I am going to have victory because of Christ. Tonight, everybody in this room can have victory. But you've got to put off and put on. Add to your life. And he said, you can see afar off and remove the blindness and look forward to when Jesus comes. Tonight, are you looking forward to seeing him? That's a choice we all make every day. Let's bow here. It's a word of prayer. I'm going to ask the pianist to come and play just a verse of invitation to him. I'm going to ask Brother Brandon not even to play. We're going to stand, have a word of prayer, and we'll stand. And I'll just ask the pianist to play a verse of, of invitation. And if you need to come to this altar, I encourage you to come. Lord, I want to put off something. Lord, I want to put on something. Lord Jesus, I want you to open my eyes that I can see afar off. I can see you. And my love for you is the motivation to get me through. Lord Jesus, speak to our hearts tonight.
We need you. Lord, we must be like you. We know that's your will for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Stand to our feet, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you need to come tonight, first verse, you come. This verse is for you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You just come talk to the Lord tonight. Do you need to add? Do you need to subtract? You can have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Set some stakes in the ground, some goals for your life spiritually. The Lord will help you. Reach them all if you'll put off and put on. have your attention up this way tonight I apologize for all the up and down on the sound it's, maybe I'll put my mic on the wrong way I don't know what but I have to practice it this week I'll put it on right okay I'll put it on I'll figure that out um, I want to just take just a minute tonight teachers all the teachers Temple Baptist School and church would you come forward tonight stand at the altar we're just going to have a quick word of prayer of dedication for every one of you come right on down Come right on down, the great group of people that I have the privilege to work with and to serve together with. We're going to have a word of prayer, a prayer of dedication, and would you pray with us this year? Um, The Christian school is not to teach the children the right way to go to replace their parents. It's to support what the parents are teaching. But we have a lot of parents that don't teach anything. They don't teach truthfulness. They don't teach integrity, obedience. And so we have to work with them because we're teachers. We're pastors and teachers. And we want to help people. We want to see people saved. Our school is not a reform school. It's a school primarily for our children. But these people are the ones that uh, pray for your children, love your children, want to help them learn all that they can. And I'm familiar with K-4. We have two K-4 teachers because my wife was a K-4 teacher for 25 years. And I can remember her being so excited about getting those books out. John saw the dog run. And she would get those kids so excited. They'd say, me, 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 can I have that book? Oh, you, you've got to get this, this, this done. And I'll give you two books. Two books? <laughs> she said, I wouldn't teach any other grade because I get to hear them read for the first time. Well, somebody's got to teach them how to do math or we can't get to the moon. 
Somebody's going to teach them science or we can't have doctors and nurses. Some got, somebody's got to teach them Bible so we have some preachers and missionaries. But all of them, our goal is to prepare them for what God calls them to do. But you've got to pray we get to their heart so that they can do the will of God with the training they got. Father, would you bless these teachers? Would all of them have dedicated their lives to teach the children of others the things of you, whether it be science, math, history, English, Bible. Lord, from your perspective, and I pray that you would bless them. Lord, give them wisdom as they deal with children that are not that self-disciplined. Lord, give them the ability to encourage children to want to learn. Lord, that's a gift from you. Would you give that to all of our teachers here? Give them a passion to love the kids. Lord, to want to see them do what's right and to honor you. Lord, would you bless this year that it would be the greatest year Temple Baptist School has ever had. Give them guidance and your blessing. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, uh, parents, step over this way. Young people, this way. Teachers, you're dismissed. Thank you for coming tonight. Lord bless you.